When you go on safari in Africa, your goal is to get a glimpse of what they call the big five. The big five animals, the lion, the elephant, the rhino, the leopard, and the Cape buffalo. I mean, when you go on safari, you're hunting for the big five. You want to get a picture of the big five and, and check them all off your list, and that's a successful safari. But when you go on safari in Africa, everyone is hunting for the big five. But the question is, what are the big five hunting for? For you, if you get too close. <laughs> Have you been watching that documentary on the Discovery Channel called Serengeti? It's really good. I mean, I love those animal documentaries, you know, where they have the cameras and follow animals for quite some time. And it's just beautiful, you know, cinematography on the Serengeti. It's just amazing. Now, they try to make it more interesting by adding storylines, even names to some of the animals, like this lioness. Just take a look at this picture. This is Kali, the lioness, a brave, fearless, but flawed mother who will do anything to protect her cubs. She's made a big mistake, and now she and her cubs must face the consequences. I mean, that just adds a little more drama to it, doesn't it? And they've named her, and I love on those kind of shows how the narrator always acts like they know exactly what the animal is thinking. You know, it's like Collie lays down in the tall grass at the end of a long day, and she ponders what went wrong in her life. You know, it's like, no, narrator. She's not thinking about those things. She wonders if she'll ever find a mate. No. Her kind eyes look out over the horizon. No, I mean, really, she's a wild animal. And narrator, if you're standing in front of her, she's going to look at you with those kind eyes and just think, food, this is food. I mean, really, lions are just big cats. And for those of you who have cats, you know what cats are like. People used to worship cats 3,000 years ago, and cats have never forgotten it. You understand that. <laughs> I mean, cats, they think the world revolves around them. And so for those of you who have cats, you know, if your little cat was a big cat, it would eat you. I don't care how much you think it loves you. It would just eat you. That's just the way it is. And then it would expect you to feel honored that you sacrificed your life for its sustenance. I mean, that's the way cats are. Now, I don't want you to email me, cat lovers, please, okay? I don't need any emails from cat lovers, all right? Telling me that you know exactly what your cat is thinking. Especially don't email me those kind. Um, because Chris and I love cats. We had a cat for 18 years. Trixie Lou, God rest her soul. She lived for 18 years. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it is about our pets, but they just live a long time in the Shook House. God has blessed them with long, long lives. And we don't get it. Um, if you were an animal on the Serengeti, you would be hunting. The big five are always hunting. Now, some of the animals are hunting for other animals, and some of the animals are hunting for vegetation, but there's one thing that every animal on the Serengeti is desperately hunting for, and that's a fresh water source. All animals have to have water. They can't live without water. In fact, on the last episode of the Serengeti, the water source had started to dry up because of a drought, and all the animals were threatened. That's because animals can't live without water. And the human soul can't live without hope. We're on this soul safari, this journey of the soul. 
where our souls are hunting for the big five. The big five that our souls search for, and at the top of that list is hope. Because you can live weeks without food, and you can live days without water. You can live minutes without air, but you can't live one second without hope. You've got to have hope, and maybe today you feel like your hope source is drying up. There are times when we all feel hopeless, and maybe you feel hopeless in a job situation that never seems to change, or maybe you feel a sense of hopelessness in your marriage, or maybe you feel hopeless or helpless to change a destructive behavior that's tearing your life apart, or or maybe you feel hopeless about the future that seems really uncertain. Maybe you feel hopeless about a doctor report that you just got, and it doesn't look good. We've all been in those situations where we've started to lose hope. We've all been in those situations where it looks like our hope source is running dry. I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16 because here we see Paul and Silas in a seemingly hopeless situation. They had just gone to Europe to share the gospel for the first time. They were in a place called Philippi, which is modern-day Greece, and they were sharing the good news of Christ, but then a mob came up and, and beat them, and then they put them in chains, and then they threw them in a prison cell. And there they were in a seemingly hopeless situation, but in this passage, we find the key that sets us free from a prison of hopelessness. So I want you to stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church, and we're gonna look at Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 25, and I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses, everyone worshiping with us through our broadcast and online ministry around the world, from the woodlands to the world, we're one church built on the word of God. And so I know that God has a word for you wherever you're at. He knows what you're going through, and he has a word for you from his word, so follow along with me. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Dear God, I know that there are many within the sound of my voice that are beginning to lose hope. Their hope source is running dry. And Lord, I know that you're the God of hope and you wanna fill us with hope today. So I pray that you would speak right into our hearts and that you would fill us with the fountain of your hope in such a way, Lord, that can only be explained as a miracle. And I know that so many feel they're in a hopeless situation, but you wanna set us free, Lord, from that hopelessness, and you wanna free us with hope. And I pray that you would just speak directly to hearts and let people know that you know right where they're at, what they're going through, and that you will give them your word of hope today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. And I want you to underline the first two words in that passage, about midnight. 
about midnight. See, Paul and Silas had quite a day. It, it all started out great. Everything seemed perfect because they woke up that morning on a huge high because they had led several people to Christ. And they had shared the gospel in Europe for the first time, and they had seen the first converts in Europe, which was Lydia and her family. And then she told friends, and others started coming to Christ, and God was moving, and so now they're going to a prayer meeting in the morning, and God is moving in a powerful way, but that was at about 7 a.m. But now it's about midnight, and they're in this filthy prison cell, shackles on their hands and feet, bleeding and bruised from being beaten almost to death. Now it's about midnight. It's all started out about sunrise with everything perfect, but now it's about midnight. And it looks as bleak as it gets. Are you at about midnight? You see, there are times when it's about sunrise and everything seems to be going great in our lives. All our circumstances are coming together. But sometimes it's about midnight. And it looks about as dark as it can get. Nothing's going right. Everything's in chaos. There's so much pain. So many problems. It's about midnight. But I want us to see today what Paul and Silas did at their midnight moment made all the difference. And you can't avoid midnight. Midnight comes into all of our lives. It doesn't matter if you're a prince or a pauper, if you're a homeless person on the street, or, or you're a king, or if you're the wealthiest man in the world, or if you're a doctor or a drug addict, it doesn't matter. Every person will experience what I call those midnight moments. Maybe it's a midnight of depression, a midnight of anxiety, a midnight of loss, a midnight of grief, a midnight of doubt, those midnights of the soul, those midnight moments. We can't avoid them as much as we would like to. Can't avoid the midnight moments. But what you do in your midnight moments will make you or break you. What you do in the midnight moments of life will make you or break you. And I want us to see what Paul and Silas did in their midnight moment that made all the difference. And let's break this down. Look at it verse by verse. There's so much in here that speaks directly to our hearts. In verse 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing songs to God as the other prisoners listened. Underline the word singing songs. So they were singing praise songs chained behind bars. I mean, they were singing the song of hope even though they couldn't hear the music of hope being played. They were singing the song of hope even though they couldn't hear one note of hope in the situation that they were in. There wasn't one note of hope in their circumstances and here they are singing the song of hope in a seemingly hopeless situation. Now, I don't think Paul and Silas were naive. I don't think they were going, this is awesome. We were beaten to a pulp. Yay, praise God. This feels so good. This is amazing. Now we're in chains and now we're in this filthy prison cell far away from home. Wow, praise God. Yeah. Now we're in prison. Let's sing some songs. Maybe we could record them and it'd be like Johnny Cash, an album from prison, and it'll go big. Yeah. Now, I don't think they were naive. I don't think they were going, wow, this is amazing. I think they were in terrible pain. 
I, I think they couldn't hear one note of hope being sung into their hearts. They couldn't hear the music being played. I, I feel like they really couldn't hear the song of hope. It probably felt like God was nowhere around, and yet they chose to sing the song of hope in their midnight moment. I believe they sang the song of hope even though they couldn't hear the notes of hope, even though they couldn't feel it. They sang it in faith. And they sang it in faith to the God of hope because they understood the God of hope. They understood his character. They didn't know what he was up to. I'm sure they felt like, God, we don't understand what you're doing. We're in terrible pain. We're hurting. We don't understand why it's your purpose that we're here in this prison cell just for sharing the good news. This doesn't make any sense to us. We don't like it, but we trust you, the God of hope. And we sing the song of hope, even though we can't hear one note of hope. We're gonna sing the song of hope because we know your character and you are hope and you know what you're doing and you're gonna see us through. We have hope in you, our source of hope. See, how were they able to sing the song of hope when they couldn't hear the music of hope? They knew the source of hope. And the song of hope comes out of the source of hope. You can't sing the song of hope unless you're connected to the source of hope. And so the question is, what is the source of your hope? What are you placing your hope in? Are you placing your hope in your bank account, in the stock market? Are you placing your hope in your retirement account? Are you placing your hope in another person? Are you placing your hope in your looks? Uh, which always change and never for the better as you grow older. Are you, what are you placing your hope in? If you're placing your hope in anything that could change or be taken away at your midnight moment, you won't find hope. Your hope will have run dry. At your midnight moment, you won't have anything that will really hold you in hope because there's only one source of hope. And Romans 15, 13 tells us what that source of hope is. Look at it with me. May God, the source of hope, fill you with joy and peace through your faith in him. Then you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Underline that first phrase, may God, the source of hope. Hey, explorers searched for hundreds of years trying to find the source of the Great Nile River in Africa. And even today, there's still controversy about it. Is it Lake Victoria or is it a couple of the rivers that feed into Lake Victoria? Where does the Nile really start? What is the source of the Nile River? Well, I don't know for sure what the source of the Nile River is, but I know for sure where the source of hope is. And that's in Jesus Christ, hope himself. That's the source of hope. And if you place your hope in anything other than Christ, you're not gonna have the hope that you need to cope at your midnight moment. You're not gonna have what you need at your midnight moment, which will come. But at your midnight moment, if you have the source of hope, Jesus Christ, in your life, then you can sing the song of hope regardless of the circumstances. There's no circumstance that can take away your song of hope because you're connected to the source of hope. And it's not about your circumstances, it's about the Savior that lives in you, that fills you with hope that can't be explained. Look at Psalm 118, verse 13. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Underline that word defense. 
because the Hebrew word there for defense, it literally is song. It means song. He's saying, because God will take care of me, because I know God will defend me, whether I feel God's presence or not, whether the circumstances look like it or not, because I know God will take care of me and God will defend me, I will sing the song of hope even when I can't hear the music of hope playing. Even when the circumstances are playing a loud song of hopelessness, that's blaring in my ears, I will sing the song of hope because there is no prison of despair that can take away my song of hope. There's no prison of anxiety that can take away my song of hope. There is no prison of depression that can take away my song of hope. There is no prison of doubt that can take away my song of hope. There's no prison of betrayal. There's no prison of doubt and despair and depression that can take away my song of hope because it comes not from the outside, it comes from within, from the source of hope, Jesus Christ, that flows in me. And regardless of my circumstances, I can be in a, a cell of confusion I can be in a cell of chaos where confusion and chaos are going on in my circumstances where I don't understand what's happening all around me, but I can be filled with hope to overflowing, filled with the hope that only comes from the source of hope. You see, Paul and Silas had tapped into the source of hope. They knew Jesus Christ. He was in their life, and so at that moment when they had nothing from their circumstances that could bring them hope, they were filled with hope to overflowing. And I love how it says, and the other prisoners were listening to their singing. I don't know that it was great singing, but the prisoners were listening because they're going, wow, these guys are at the darkest moment of their life. They're at their midnight moment, and they're singing? What is going on with these guys? You know, what do they have that we don't have? Well, no one can take the song of hope from you when you found the God of hope. You know, when you praise God and you sing after God blesses you, that's called gratitude, and it's a good thing. The Bible says we're supposed to do that. We're commanded to do that. When God blesses you, we're to thank him for those blessings and be grateful. But when you sing praise to God before he blesses you, when you sing praise to God, even when you can't feel his presence, even when it looks like he's forgotten you, when you sing based on the facts of his promises and you sing praises to him anyway, that's called faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that kind of singing knocks down prison walls. That kind of singing breaks the chains of hopelessness that hold us back. Now, the song of thanksgiving is something the Bible talks about, that we're to sing thanks to, to God. Sometimes we sing songs of thanksgiving, and that means we sing songs thanking God for what he's doing for us or what he's done for us. So we thank God for his miracles. We thank God for his provision. We thank God for the things that he's doing in our lives, all these things that he's working out in our circumstances. We thank God for it. That's called thanksgiving. But praise, on the other hand, is when you praise God, you thank God, not for what he's done for you, but for who he is. You praise God for his character, his attributes. You praise God for his power. You praise God for his faithfulness. You praise God for his grace. You praise God for his love. You praise, praise God for his holiness. You praise God for who he is, not what he's doing in your life right now, but you praise him for his character, who he is. And when you praise God for his character, when you sing songs of praise, it knocks down the prison walls. It breaks the chains that bind you. I mean, there's something powerful about that praise because it opens the door 
for the God of hope to pour his hope into your life and to overflow. It opens the door for God's miracles, but the problem is when I'm in a seemingly hopeless situation, I mean, usually if I'm in a painful situation, an uncomfortable situation, do I sing the song of hope? No, usually I sing the song of griping and complaining and woe is me. You know, that's country songs, basically. No. You know, I mean, when, when we're bad off, you know, and we're hurting, you know, we just want to sing the blues. We want to gripe and complain, and that blocks God's blessing in our lives. But God says, when you praise me, even when you can't see what I'm up to, and you're showing that you trust my faithfulness, and you trust my power, and my strength, and my wisdom, even when you can't see it, that paves the way for my miracle. That opens the door, and that sets you free to experience my hope that can't be explained in any other way except God, the source of hope. And so these guys are singing in the middle of their midnight. I just love that. And it just breaks down everything. There's no prison so strong that can hold the song of hope. The song of hope is powerful. The song of hope is attractive, it's winsome. People notice when you sing the song of hope in hopeless situations, they're going, I don't have that. I need that. It says in verse 26, suddenly there was a strong earthquake that shook the foundation of the jail. Then all the doors of the jail broke open and all the prisoners were freed from their chains. The song of hope is the key that sets you free from the prison of hopelessness. The song of hope breaks the chains of despair. The song of hope breaks the chains of hopelessness. The song of hope breaks the chains of addiction. The song of hope breaks the chains of depression. The song of hope can break the chains that you're in right now when you sing the song of hope to the God of hope, the source of hope. And then you see that no matter what's going on around you, you still have hope flowing through you. I mean, that was an earthquake. That was the original Jailhouse Rock, by the way. This is where Elvis got the song. He just never gave God credit for it, but... Uh, Think about it. I mean, they sang, they sang the song of hope. And that song of hope smashed down those prison doors. It broke the chains on their hands and feet. That's the power of the song of hope. There's power in the song of hope because it comes from the source of hope, the God of power. And then in verse 27, it says, the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. So the jailer was knocked down in the earthquake. He was knocked out and then he wakes up and he sees the prison doors are open and he can just see the door of his life closing before him because the penalty for allowing prisoners to escape on your watch was a torturous death. So he took matters into his own hands. He was just gonna kill himself. Now that's hopelessness. That's a picture of hopelessness. He pulls out the sword to use on himself because he knows there is no hope because he wasn't tapped into the source of hope. He didn't have the hope that Paul and Silas had, the hope of heaven one day and the hope of a God who loves us so much and can get us out of any situation. And so the jailer had given up. And one of the reasons that we lose hope that we feel hopeless is because of our failures. You see, it's our failures, our sins, our mistakes. We fail and, and we start to lose hope. We think, man, I'll never get this together. And 
There's just something in us that wants to earn God's approval and God's love. There's something in me that just wants me to prove that God made a good investment when he died for me. It's like, I want God to, to say, well, I really, you know, I picked good when I died for Carrie. I mean, he's doing really good. He really loves me. And yeah, that was a good move there that I died for him because, I mean, he's proven my decision right. He's really living for me. He's doing all kinds of great things for me. He really loves me. I mean, there's just something in me that wants to earn God's approval, but there's nothing I could do to earn God's approval. God is perfect. I'm sinful and broken, and it's all about his grace. See, God loves you not based on your performance. God loves you based on his character. God is love, and he loves you. You see, when I sin, it breaks God's heart. It crushes his heart because he knows how much sin is destructive in my life and in the lives of the people around me. He knows how much sin hurts me but it doesn't make him love me any less. He loves me just the same. Whether I fail and sin, and failure is never final to God. Not with God, not with the God of the second chance, third chance, fourth chance. Failure is never final with our God. And I'm so thankful for that because it's about his grace. It's not about your performance. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. When I do things for God and I serve others and it fills me up and I trust God and even when I sing the song of hope in a seemingly hopeless situation instead of gripe and grumble, God doesn't love me anymore. He can't, he loves me perfectly to begin with. You see, he doesn't love you based on your performance, your successes or failures. He loves you based on his character. He loves you because he loves you. It's called God's grace. And the more I get in tune with my failures and how desperately awful they are and my sins and my mistakes, then I take them to God and the cross, then I can experience his grace more fully. I can say, God, I don't deserve it, but you love me and I'm your child. Wow, how awesome. I'm gonna relish that and I'm gonna live in that. I'm gonna breathe in that grace. See, some of you today think God is finished with you, that God's looking at you like, wow, I sure made a bad investment when I died for her, when I died for him, they're just messing up all the time. They'll never get it right. I give up on them. It's the same old sin, same old problems, same old failures and mess ups. They're just a screw up. I, I just forget them. I give up on them. And you feel like God is through with you, that God's put you on the shelf. You can never be used of God again. I want you to know you're so wrong because the God of hope loves you. And he says, you bring me your failures and I'll turn it into gold. I'll turn it into grace. That's what God does, we're all trophies of God's grace. And we bring our brokenness to him and he turns it into blessedness. We bring our mess and he makes a miracle out of it. That's our God, that's the God we serve. And so this Philippian jailer thought that this failure was the end, that it was all over, but what happened? He was just about to kill himself and Paul and Silas yell out, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Don't harm yourself, we're all here. And I wanna to say to somebody out there today, you feel like ending it all because you feel like there's no hope. You've come to this place of hopelessness. And I wanna to say to you, don't harm yourself. We are all here. We are all still here. This church is here for you. Let us know what you're going through because we're here, we care. And God is not finished with you yet. God says, your failures are not final. I still have a purpose, I still have a plan. And I can even take your failures and turn them into gold. Turn them into my grace. 
don't hurt yourself. God says, I am here. I haven't forgotten you. I am here. And we as a church say, we are all still here. We haven't left. We're right here. Let us know what you're going through. We're here to give hope when you feel hopeless. Another reason why we start to feel hopeless is because we're waiting on God. You know, when you're waiting on God to come through and nothing's happening, you start to lose hope. You're waiting on God to really fix that marriage problem in your life and, and nothing's happening, it's getting worse and you start to lose hope. You're waiting on God to heal that wound that's so deep in your life and, and it just seems to be festering, it just seems to be getting worse and, and you start to lose hope. Or You're waiting on God as you're praying for that loved one to come to Christ and it seems like they're just moving further away from God. You're waiting on God to change that person that you're praying for that you love that really needs to change but they're just getting worse. You're waiting on God to bring you to that right one to get married and it just seems like it'll never happen. You're waiting on God and you're starting to lose hope. The reason why we start to lose hope when we're waiting on God is because we think God has forgotten us. We think God doesn't know what's going on. We wonder if God cares. We wonder if God even realizes who we are. We feel like God has forgotten us. In World War II, uh, when the Japanese invaded the Philippines, the U.S. Army was caught off guard and, and the U.S. Army had to retreat. And in, in doing so, most of them couldn't even get out and they were taken as prisoners of war and they had to be in the infamous Bataan Death March. In the Bataan Death March, they marched the prisoners of war 70 miles in extreme heat and most of them were weak and were sick with dysentery and if they fell to their knees, they were bayoneted by the Japanese soldiers and so out of the thousands that were on the march, many of them died on that march. And the ones that survived were put in a POW camp in hellish conditions for three years. And after three years, there was only 512 prisoners that were still alive. And they started hearing rumors that the U.S. was winning the war and the U.S. Army had come to take back the Philippines. And, but then in the same rumor, they heard that, that the enemy was executing all of the prisoners of war as they were retreating. And so they lost all hope. But in the middle of their hopeless situation, everything changed when the U.S. performed the greatest raid in military history. There were about 140 U.S. Army soldiers with about 100 Filipino soldiers. And they came in and they raided the POW camp and they outflanked 8,000 Japanese soldiers, and they set the prisoners free. Alvy Robbins was one of the rescuers. He was one of the soldiers that came in on this daring raid, and he said they started finding prisoners tucked away in barracks, and they went into one dark barracks, and there was a prisoner of war at the very back on his knees, tears streaming down his face. And when he got close to him, Alvy Robbins said all he could say was, we thought we were forgotten. We thought you had forgotten us. We thought you had forgotten us. And Alvy Robbins said, no, we never forgot you. You're heroes. All of you are heroes. We never forgot you. We've come for you. And I think about that today. Do you feel like God has forgotten you? 
You just don't feel his presence. It just looks like God is nowhere around and the pain that you're going through. It feels like God doesn't know what's going on in your life and that God doesn't care. I want you to know, God says to you today, I have not forgotten you. I'm coming for you. Don't give up. God says, I'm coming for you. Don't give up. I know where you are. I know what you're going through. I care and I'm coming for you. Don't give up. See, I believe with all my heart that God wanted me to say that to you today. That God wanted to speak that to you today through me because he wants you to know that he knows what you're going through. And he says to you today, I could never forget you. Scripture says that God says, I can never forget you because how could a mother forget her little child? I have inscribed you on the palm of my hand. I see your name every day and I see what you're going through. You may think I've forgotten you, but I haven't forgotten you. And I'm coming to get you. I'm coming for you. Hold on. You see, God is coming for all Christ followers one day to take us to that perfect place called heaven. And we're not there yet, but I believe with all my heart, he's coming for you right now to meet your needs. He knows where you're at. And he wants to say, I don't care what you're going through. I'm coming to rescue you. God is coming for you. We start to lose hope and we feel forgotten, but God has not forgotten you. God hasn't forgotten you. We all go through the waiting rooms of life where we feel hopeless, but if you'll sing the song of hope in the waiting room of life, you'll see God knock the walls down. Maybe you're in a cell of inwardness, a cell of selfishness where you feel the walls closing in and your pain is so great, all you can do is look within. God says, look up, I'm coming for you. Sing the song of hope and it will break the chains of hopelessness. They're holding you back. You see this jailer had lost hope until he saw Paul and Silas. I, I just love that. I want you to look at what happens next because in verse 30 it says, he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The prison guard knelt before them and said, I, I wanna know what you've got and how I can get it. That's what he was saying. And I don't think the earthquake was the thing that brought him around. I think it was the singing that started the revolution of hope. He realized that at his midnight moment, about midnight, he had no hope. He had no source of hope to go to. All the things he, were, he was hoping in weren't gonna save him. And so what must I do to be saved like you? How can I be able to sing praise songs? He was probably the very prison guard that had beaten them and put them in chains and thrown them into the jail cell and locked the door and here he was now kneeling before them going, how can I have what you have? Because you guys were singing at your midnight moment. I felt total despair at my midnight moment. I want what you've got. The song of hope is contagious. If you'll sing the song of hope in a hopeless situation, you'll not only see the whole situation change starting in your heart and God do amazing things and break chains off your life and off your soul, but you will see people want what you've got. People are desperate for one drop of hope in this hopeless world. And they're looking for hope in all these things that cannot satisfy. They've been drinking from wells that are poisoned, and we have the source of hope, the ocean of Jesus Christ, to offer them. We have the flowing river of hope that flows from within us. When people see you filled with the song of hope, singing the song of hope in a seemingly hopeless situation, they're going, I don't have that. How can they have? How can I have what they have? The song of hope is contagious. You start singing the song of hope, people start singing it with you. And that's what this church is all about. 
the song of hope. Acts 16, 13 says, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. See, the source of hope is Jesus. The only source of hope is Jesus Christ. They said, well, it's real easy. If you want what we've got, just go to Jesus, the source of hope, because he is hope itself. The song of hope is Jesus Christ. The song of hope came into our broken and sin-filled world 2,000 years ago. It's the most beautiful song ever sung. The song of heaven and song of hope was sung on this earth. It was in perfect tune, perfect pitch. It was the most beautiful song ever sung, but we hated the song of hope because the song of hope just revealed how out of tune our lives were. The song of hope, instead of turning to it and seeking it, we turned against it because that song of hope just showed the discord of our sins and our selfishness. And choosing to stay in our sin and our selfishness, we tried to drown out the song of hope. We tried to shout down the song of hope and eventually we crucified the song of hope. We crucified that beautiful song of hope and we killed the song. On that Friday, the music stopped. And the echo and the silence of selfishness reverberated around the universe. For three days, there was no music. But then on that Sunday morning, the rhythm of the heartbeat of hope started beating again. And hope began to rise. And the song of hope began to go out louder and stronger than ever. And the song of hope destroyed death. The song of hope rolled away the stone. The song of hope broke down the gates of hell. The song of hope destroyed death. The song of hope destroyed all of our pain. In heaven one day, the song of hope lives because you can't crucify the song of hope. You can't stop the song of hope. It will be sung. And we, church, will sing the song of hope at the top of our lungs for as loud as we can, for as long as we can, until the God of hope comes for us and brings us home to the place of hope, heaven itself. We're gonna sing the song of hope right now. I want you to stand because as we sing the song of hope, the song of hope, Jesus Christ breaks the chains. I don't know what chains you're going through, maybe chains of depression, chains of anxiety, chains of fear, chains of just being burdened down by your problems, but the God of hope, singing the song of hope, he can break any chain. Jesus Christ is the song of hope. Let's sing it as loud as we can. He's going to break every chain. There's power in the song of hope, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, there's power because he is the source of hope. Let's bow together right now. And I don't know what you're going through, but I know every one of us have situations in our lives that feel hopeless. And we all have that choice at our midnight moment to gripe, complain, to turn inward, and, or we can look up to God and we can sing the song of hope whether we feel it or not. And that song of hope changes everything from the inside out. And Lord, I just pray right now for everyone who feels like their hope is running out, who feels like their hope is run dry, 
that you would just fill them up with your hope right now that it can only be explained by you to overflowing, that you would help us, Lord, make the choice in our midnight moments to praise you for who you are because we know you're coming for us. We know that you'll come through because you always do. That's who you are. You're faithful and you're love and you're power and you're grace and you're strength. And Lord, we thank you no matter what the circumstances are around us, that you fill us with hope inside us. And I just pray right now for those at the darkest moment of their life where it just feels like you're nowhere around, Lord, that you would just make yourself so known. Because, Lord, we know that you're closer to the brokenhearted than ever. Lord, that um, you know everyone whose heart is breaking. You know what everyone's going through within the sound of my voice. Maybe no one else knows. Maybe no one else cares, but you do. You know and you care, God. And I pray that you'd let them know that you know right where they're at and you're coming for them. You're coming to rescue. And you have a plan and a purpose. And I pray for those who've never received you, Song of Hope. They've never sung the Song of Hope because they've never received you, the source of hope, that right now they would pray this prayer silently in their heart. Jesus Christ, Song of Hope, I ask you to save me. I've been looking to so many sources for my happiness, for my hope, and nothing's satisfied. And I feel empty, so I ask you to fill me up. I accept your free gift of forgiveness for all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you rose again. Come to live inside me with your Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. I can't earn it or deserve it. Thank you for your grace. Be the Lord of my life and guide me from now on and help me grow in my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. If you prayed to receive Christ, he came into your life. He'll never leave you. He'll always be in your life. This Holy Spirit, the source of hope is now in you. And now you choose to sing the song of hope. Well, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us. And, and would you really be praying for the people of the Bahamas? Because, because of you, we are sending supplies right now um, going in on a ship to the Bahamas and um, our disaster relief ministry is providing emergency aid and emergency goods because the people there are so desperate after the effects of Hurricane Dorian. Um, and then we're going to be sending in um, our disaster relief uh, curriculum, which has been really powerful, that our team wrote um, for churches and communities to go through after we went through Harvey. Because really, communities experience PTSD after a storm like that, where they lose everything and and so we're going to be there for them for the long haul because our disaster relief ministry provides, you know, goods and, and the things that cost right away that we bring it right in. And we're so grateful to be able to do that. But then we also come in and meet the needs of the soul that are even deeper. And so I just praise God. Pray for the people there who are experiencing the hurt. We understand the hurts of hurricanes and storms, but they've really been through it. And then pray for all our ministries at Woodland Church, over 100 of them that make such a difference. And let's give because we love God and we love what he's doing through the ministries of Woodland Church.
You're going to see a victory this week. Be watching for what God's going to do in your life and keep stepping in faith. Woodland Church, next week we continue the series Soul Safari. Don't miss it. We're going to hunt for belonging. It's something everyone desperately searches for. God bless you. We love you. Have fun with the animals out there. God bless you. Have a great day, Woodland Church. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.